Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends, we live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard, coming to you a little earlier than normal. It is a travel day for me, so I am recording this in the wee hours of Friday morning to have it up for you because, number one, I love you, and number two, I want you to have nice things. And so trying to get on the road today around noon, so I'm doing most of Friday's work before I go to bed. So here I am, and I uh, hope things are well with you wherever you are today. I hope it's a payday. It is, uh, it is Friday, and so if you're a bi-weekly wage earner, chances are it's your payday. And if you're a weekly wage earner, well, congratulations to you. It's Friday. It's every day a payday for you. So the reality of the situation, and uh, as someone says that I repeat that phrase regularly, I will uh, do my best to stop that annoying habit. But, uh, but all that being said, it is Friday. It is a big SEC weekend. We're going to preview all the games, kind of give you all the winners. Jeanspage.com is your place for Mississippi State coverage. Nobody covers the Bulldogs more extensively than we do. A lot of that content is free, but not all of it. So you need to be a member so you can keep up with all that. The uh, Mississippi State 
Fall Ball World Series is going on right now. Team Westberg wins the game one over Team Foscu. Pretty big ball game. A lot, a lot of our fans went out there. Should be a bunch out there today and Saturday as well. Gene Swindoll and uh, Mike Nemeth covered for us, and you can read that game recap over on Gene's page right now. Let me give you just a quick overview of, of kind of how the game went, and um, and just some, some guys that are that are standouts in the ball game. It is a split inter squad type deal, so it's not where you've got the starters versus the uh, the newcomers. It is pretty evenly split. They had split. They had a draft. Uh, but, uh, again, Team Westberg wins 5-4. So, uh, Team Westberg gets a run in the second inning and then adds three more in the fourth. And so, kind of played with the lead most of the ball game. Foscue's team uh, caught up in the middle innings with a run in the fourth, two in the fifth, and one in the sixth. And then Westberg's team uh, finally scores uh, in the eighth inning to put the game away. Scheduled for seven innings, it went eight. Your winning pitcher is reliever Chase Patrick. He of the Pop Evil classic Footsteps, as his walkout song, uh, did have some control issues. Goes one or two-thirds of an inning, allows just the one hit. Did walk three, struck out one. Uh, really, you know, And that's going to have to get better. That, that's simply going to have to get better. Uh, the starter for Westburg was a graduate transfer from southeastern Louisiana and Vicksburg, his home, Carla Kostler with three innings pitch of one hit baseball, three strikeouts, no walks. That's certainly encouraging news there. Not sure if he's a midweek guy or long reliever, but he's certainly a guy that, that expects to play extensively. Bryce Brock has had better days. He, in relief of Carlisle, goes uh, one and two-thirds of an inning, allows five hits and three runs, two of those earned, strikes out three, doesn't walk anybody. Logan Tanner comes on, throws two-thirds of an inning, allows a hit and a run, walks three. Kind of the story of the night for the Team Westbrook pitching staff. Spencer Price pitches two-thirds, and that's a nice bounce-back effort for Spencer. He had a tough game on Sunday, bounces back, and uh, gets a two-out save, or get two outs, work two-thirds of an inning, gets a save there, one strikeout uh, to close the ball game out. The uh, the pitching for Team Foscue Houston Harding started the ball game. Three innings pitched, three hits allowed, one runs, one run on one walk, one strikeout. Casey Hunt comes in and pitches, and Casey, he's a guy that we're very excited about. Didn't have a great outing. Two innings, two hits, three runs, one earned run, one walk. There were some errors, too, that kind of were a bit of an issue. Uh, Jackson Forrester, you guys, if you, I saw him pitch on Sunday – and, and he just simply has kind of an X factor about him. Really like his delivery. Really like how he throws everything out of the same arm slot. I mentioned that to you guys on, on Monday. He comes back again today with a, with a perfect inning. An a, a absolutely outstanding effort. One inning pitch, no hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. That's a guy that's going to be able to pitch. Landon Sims, uh, one or two-thirds of an inning, one hit, one run, uh, no walks. So uh, Foscue's team a little bit better as far as control goes, just the two walks as a team, but they're tagged with the loss. Defensively, a couple of issues uh, tonight for sure. And But these are newcomers, okay? these aren't. You're not getting bad defensive play by some of the guys that you're expected to count on. But some of these guys, too, are trying to you know, compete and find themselves – you know, position to play here. Uh, you had two errors on Westberg's team and three on the Foscue team. Uh, a couple of those are on uh, Bulldog catcher Hayden Jones, you know, and uh, that's a guy right in the mix, you know, really competing there with Luke Hancock for the starting position there uh, behind the plate. Big hits on the night. Uh, Leggett with a home run. Tanner Leggett with a two-run bomb. That was a big blow there. Foskey with an RBI. You know, this, the guys that are hitting, that need to hit, are hitting. Big bounce back day for Josh Hatcher, too. Josh has been struggling a little bit. He goes two for three with a couple runs scored on the night. And that's big. And we'll get Josh going. You know, that, that's the thing, too, is I, I think we kind of know Josh Hatcher is a big bat from a left-handed side, and, and, and they'll get him going. I, I don't think there's any question. They'll, they'll, they'll get all that figured out. A lot of that figured out. 
Foscue's undoing tonight. 11 men left on base. So there you go. And uh, so game two of the uh, Fall Ball World Series will be uh, this evening. You can find all the appropriate details and needed information at healthstate.com. Healthstate.com, if I can talk, my goodness. Um, but the reality of that situation, again, for J.C. Packer, is that uh, there are a lot of you that aren't making the trip to Knoxville. And so you're looking for something to do. So if you're in the area, come up and take a look. This is going to be a good baseball team. I think you're going to be excited about what you see. Uh, this is going to put a cap on fall ball practice, but um, really excited about the team. And uh, I think what you're going to see then over the course of the next couple of days is a couple of very competitive baseball games. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Love the folks at Bulldog Burger Company. They've been great to me. They'll be great to you. They'll give you a great restaurant-quality hamburger, and that's one of the great delicacies in life is a great restaurant-quality hamburger. You can find that and more at Bulldog Burger Company. Now two locations to serve you, one in Starkville and now one in Tupelo. They're on Gloucester Street. A lot of great reviews from some new Bulldog Burger lovers over in Tupelo. I'm still on the Lauren train, but I'm encourage everybody, go and have the spring rolls. There should be a run of spring rolls because they make you better looking. As we get into into the cooler temperatures, we're going to want to see a lot better looking people around us. We want that all the time, to be quite honest with you. So spring rolls should be a requirement of your trip to Bulldog Burger Company. Enjoy what they have to offer. And again, if, if, you, if you're a little bit health conscious, you can have the Kale State salad. You can have, uh, you can have your hamburger with no bun or a gluten-free bun, whatever you want to do. A lot of options for you there at Bulldog Burger Company. The place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So the big news around here, around these parts, is the fact that uh, Mississippi State's going to travel to Tennessee. And uh, we have all talked, you know, ad nauseum about, well, we hadn't won there since 86, and we've only played there four times. And as I mentioned you know, earlier this week, two of those times we've gone over there was the end of the Jackie Sherrill era in 2003, we got blasted. The end of the Sylvester Croom era in 2008, we got blasted. And so we haven't spent a lot of time in Knoxville playing football uh, the past 30 years or so. And so it's a bit of an anomaly, I guess, people, because like, well, yeah, they make such a big deal out of it. I was on a radio show earlier this week, and you're like, you know, Mississippi State hadn't won here since 86. And it's a, yeah, it's true, but we never play up there. Matter of fact, we haven't taken a trip to Knoxville, Tennessee, to play football since 2008. Last time we played Tennessee was 2012. So not only do we not head to Knoxville very often, we don't even play Tennessee very often. As I shared with you guys here recently, there's going to be an adjustment to the SEC football schedule that I think is long overdue that will enable all student athletes opportunity to pretty much play in every venue in the conference within four years. The way we're doing it is just wrong. It really handicaps a lot of the teams in the West, to be honest with you, because the West is the more uh, the more rugged division. You've got to play everybody in the West. You've gone through the gauntlet. You, know, you, you play over in the East. You know, like if you're if you're Dan Mullen right now, really you got one game to win over there, and that's Georgia. That's the one team you're worried about. And maybe they slip up against Auburn, the next thing you know, you, you, you're in tiebreaker situation. But the, but it's one of those deals too. When I when I begin to think about this, this three five model, if passed, provides more parity within the league, and that's good for Mississippi State. It's really good for Mississippi State. But I, I like this Tennessee team long-term, because I like I like the fact that they've got a quarterback there that is a little different than what else we have around around the league. Uh, Brian Morris is going to be a good player. He's a freshman out of Ocala, Florida, played at West Point High School out there. He has appeared in three games, and that's one of the things, too, one of those, that's one of those things you have when you get other people involved in the media. Uh, Georgia was not his debut, okay? He played against UT Chattanooga. He played against Florida. And then he played against Georgia. He got his first start against Georgia, but that was not his first appearance on the year. He he, he, he has struggled completion percentage-wise. He is uh, he was 0 for 2 against UT Chat, 4 of 11 against Florida, and then 14 of 28. And looking at him overall in the season, got a quarterback rating of 112.32, 18 completions on 41 attempts, two interceptions for 43.9% completion percentage. Those are not big numbers. He, however, he did hit a couple of big throws in that ball game against Georgia that really got people fired up. He hit Callaway on a 73-yard touchdown pass that 
tied the score at seven, and then he had Juwan Jennings to give Tennessee a lead at, at 14-10. They scripted some things out, and he delivered the football, did a great job. And then as the game went on and Georgia made their adjustments, uh, Maurer had a difficult time, had a very difficult time. So you got to put the game in his lap. It's one thing State really struggled to do against Auburn. You had a young quarterback in Bo Nix, and I think Bo Nix is a very, very talented player. I think he's going to be a star in this league. But because of their ability to run the football at Auburn, they're able to remain balanced. They're able to to, uh, keep people from kind of loading up and getting after Bo Nix. Tennessee is not in that that position. Tennessee is not a team that's going to be able to make a living running the football. And, yes, State's been a little bit soft at times. But when you look at this, the, 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 the name you need to remember here is Ty Chandler. Ty Chandler leads Tennessee in rushing with 320 yards. Well, I'll tell you another thing, too. You need to know about Marr. He is not a threat to run. Just not his game. He's a pocket passer. He's a pro-style guy that's just going to drop back and sling it. But uh, Ty Chandler out of Nashville, Tennessee, Montgomery Bell Academy, you know, he is a guy that uh, they have anointed kind of as their first-team running back. You know, Jeremy Banks has moved on. Banks uh, was dismissed. He was the number two guy. But uh, Chandler's had one 100-yard game this year, and that was against BYU, 26 carries, 154 yards. Outside of that, he has not exceeded the 50-yard plateau on the season. 34 yards against Florida, 38 against Georgia. It just has not had the big breakout game against a conference opponent. Did have a good game against BYU. Eric Gray is a name that you guys uh, should remember. Uh, Eric Gray out of Memphis, Tennessee, Mississippi State, really recruited him hard out of Lausanne Collegiate School. He has already played in five games, so he has already spent his red shirt. We will see him play against Mississippi State, and I think that's a byproduct of the whole Jeremy Banks situation. Gray is a very talented player, but you weren't able to preserve his red shirt because you're having to dismiss one of your scholarship backs. He, again, has been kind of a uh, you know a compliment back, had 17 carries for 70-70 yards against BYU. It was a big rushing day for Tennessee, but outside of that, Really not a lot to speak of. SEC play has really kind of struggled. Six carries for 27 yards against Florida and then five carries for just five yards against the University of Georgia. But he is a guy we should expect to see a lot of this weekend. I think they'll come out and try to establish uh, the running game. That has been a real chore for them. Expect them to come out and take some shots, kind of loosen things up. But you know that Jeremy Pruitt is from the Alabama school. You know, he's one of those guys that believes, you know, you win by – running the football and stopping the run. They'll want to come out and do that. That's been very, very difficult for them. Uh, the number three running back on the depth chart, Tim Jordan, a junior out of Bartow, Florida. He's had carries in every game this year, uh, I guess with the one exception uh, being the uh, BYU game. And goodness, they didn't need him with all the carries they got from Ty Chandler and Eric Gray. Uh, but, you know, a handful of carries here. He did, His biggest game was against Georgia, nine carries, 47 yards. So it'll be kind of a running back by committee approach. The, the personnel group that really stands out to me with this Tennessee offense is absolutely the wide receivers. I touched on this a little bit earlier in the week. You know, Juwan Jennings is a guy that uh, he is a future NFL guy. He's one of those guys, big, long, physical, a great blocker on the perimeter, and a guy, too, that can really elevate and fight for the football. He is a matchup problem. He is a guy that's going to get a lot of attention. You probably even float a safety to his side of the field, but then that puts you in a one-on-one situation with Marquez Callaway. Callaway's got about half the catches that Jennings does, but he has the same kind of potential. Two senior guys that have kind of been through the wars, they understand what's at stake here. They've got some guys that can catch football. Uh, so when I think about this matchup, I think the Mississippi State defense matches up exceptionally well with the Tennessee offense because, number one, I don't think they're going to be especially proficient in the passing game. And I know last year, as soon as Tennessee got a first down, we had Mississippi State people tweeting, man, it's going to be a tough ball game. It's always a tough ball game on a road in this league, but this is a very vulnerable Tennessee team. On the defensive side of the football, they've been pretty soft uh, up front. Now, the linebackers are very, very athletic. They're explosive at times. Uh, Theo Jackson is the leading tackler. He is a junior DB out of Nashville, Tennessee, Overton High School. Uh, Has had a good 
year so far this year. Again, leading them in tackles uh, with uh, 33 total tackles. One tackle for loss, one interception, one pass breakup. A guy they like to move around a lot. The one, one of the guys that Jim Moore had mentioned on Monday, one of the big linebackers, and it's, uh, you know, it's one of those deals too. You know, somebody's got to make the tackles, but this is not one of those situations where this is a guy that's kind of benefiting from the guys around him, him being inferior players. Toto is a guy that will absolutely go get after you. Uh, he is a very, very, very impressive tackler. Uh, if you watched anything last weekend with uh, with Auburn, I mean with Georgia and Tennessee, you saw him always around the football. He's just one of those kind of people. The football always seems to find him. He puts himself in a position to make plays. Thirty-two total tackles, two tackles for loss, one pass breakup, three quarterback hurries, and that's one of the things that you're going to see a lot of with Tennessee because of the fact that that defensive front is a little bit inexperienced. They're blitzing a lot of linebackers to try to generate some pass rush. They really struggled last weekend against Georgia. Now, everybody's going to struggle a little bit because Georgia's an elite team. But uh, Tennessee tried to mix it up a little bit. Nigel Warrior, another great player there, 24 tackles for him. Uh, Sean Schamberger, another guy that uh, they'll bring on the blitz package. You know, he's got another – he's got a sack. You know, the, the leading guy we talked about is Daniel Batuli uh, with two sacks. But, um, you know, this is a team that is kind of finding a sense of itself defensively. I think Mississippi State can run the football successfully against Tennessee in the first quarter, the second quarter, and throughout the ball game. I really believe that if Mississippi State, again, can keep this game even through the first half or have a, a lead at halftime – the running game led by Kyle Hill will put the game away. I just think Tennessee, again, will wear down. I'm excited to see what happens out here because this is a ball game we absolutely have to have. A lot of people are beginning to kind of forecast failure because sometimes it's easier. It's, well, you know, they want us to win, but they're easy to come back and say, you know what, well, this is what I expected. So I shared with you on Wednesday, it's not a toss-up game. This is a game where Mississippi State's the better team. And when you're the better team, the pressure's on you. The flip side of it is, is Tennessee is an absolutely desperate team. They're, they're fighting to kind of stay above board. They're fighting, that coaching staff probably fighting to stave off a potential termination. I don't, I don't know how you can fire Jeremy Pruitt in midseason, but, um, you know, if you go, if you have another losing season, which would be the third consecutive losing season for Tennessee, the second under Pruitt, you have to feel like it's your athletic department your football program's headed in the wrong direction. Phil Fulmer kind of staged a coup d'etat, took over for John Curry, took over this quarterback search, and then uh, and this coaching search, and he hires Jeremy Pruitt. This is a guy that Mississippi State passed on. He may be extra motivated to show Mississippi State that they made the wrong hire. We'll see how that all plays out. You know, Coach Bob Shoup has a little bit of that revenge factor in him. Two years under Butch Jones as a defensive coordinator up there. And uh, a lot of people kind of painted him as the villain in that scheme. But the, the reality of that is is that uh, everything was ablaze under Butch Jones in Knoxville. The, the whole shoot match was awful. They, they recruited at a pretty high level, but uh, just simply couldn't put a, a team together. And so, you know, I think Coach Shoup probably got a, you know, a little bit of a uh, – a chip on his shoulder. He's a professional, but uh, you always want to go back and kind of make the people that uh, doubted you look a little bit silly. But I like what we're seeing from this ball game, and I, I expect Mississippi State to go win the ball game. I, I think I picked it twenty-seven to seventeen. The spread in the game is seven. Uh, I think State covers the ball game because I think late late in the game the State running game will take over, and I think Tennessee will become one-dimensional, which will help. It'll help Bob Shoup and help that Mississippi State pass rush. If you're one of those folks who likes to have a little skin in the game, because I know many of you are very good at picking winners, but maybe it's time you put your money where your mouth is. Our friends at my book here are here to serve you. They've been longtime sponsors of the Boneyard, been with me for several years during football season. We encourage you, if you're one of those folks that, uh, you know, hey, you know, maybe you like to to make the game a little bit interesting, visit mybookie.ag and promo code BONEYARD, B-O-N-E, 
YRD that'll match, they will match your initial deposit up to 100%. So you're already playing with some house money. You make a deposit, they match it, go ahead and start betting. There's in-game live betting. There's all sorts of things you can bet on. And again, visit them at mybookie.ag and loyal Boneyard listeners use promo code Boneyard to activate that, that offer to have them match your initial deposit up to 100%. Again, mybookie.ag. So let's look around the league here. It is a great weekend of games. Last weekend wasn't so much, uh, you know, a great. I think there was just the one great game, Auburn and Florida. This weekend's much different. Much, much different. It's all conference games with the exception of uh, UNLV and Vandy. Uh, We'll get the day started, obviously, with State and Tennessee. But in that same time slot, South Carolina plays at Georgia. Uh, South Carolina having to play a little bit reckless right now. They're already chasing the season. This is an unbelievably poor matchup for them having to go play against uh, the University of Georgia. Georgia's riding high after a uh, a big win over Tennessee, even though that the uh, you know Tennessee was not expected to give them much of a challenge. Anytime that you can go on the road in this conference and win is huge. South Carolina currently two and three. Feeling pretty good from two weeks ago, knocking off Kentucky, coming in off the bye. I just don't think any of that's going to matter. I think Georgia wins this game going away. I just don't know how South Carolina is going to score against that defense. If you have watched Georgia at all, and I've watched them against Tennessee and I've watched them against Notre Dame, they absolutely fly to the football. They play defense the way you're supposed to play defense. They chase the football. I just don't think South Carolina matches up at all on either side of the football. But that Georgia defense can be scary good. Yes, they had a couple moments last week against Tennessee where I think they were asleep a little bit, not knowing what to expect from the freshman quarterback, and he made them pay. Then they settled down and made him pay. Georgia wins this one big. Alabama's on the road at College Station. You know, I believe that uh, Texas A&M is going to be a six or seven win team this year. Really, really think that the Jimbo Fisher thing is not going to work out the way they intended it to there in College Station. Jimbo is a good coach. I don't think he's an elite coach. I don't care how much money you pump into facilities or how much you pump into um, into the stadium. You've got to be able to go out there and find guys that fit your system that you can put on the field, and this is a very unforgiving league. A&M is basically Mississippi State with a bigger paycheck. It's as simple as, it, as I can put it. I mean, if you look at the, the records the last several years, especially in the post-Manziel years, they're, they're pretty similar. Not to mention State has kind of owned A&M the last few years. Alabama comes into this ballgame after a bye. I expect Alabama to go down there and play exceptionally well. I don't think it's going to be one of the 56-10 games, but I don't think there'll ever be any doubt about who was in charge in this ballgame. The way that two is playing, the way those Alabama wide receivers are playing, it's going to be very difficult for anybody, I think, to really run with Alabama this part of the schedule. They've got some big games coming up. They'll, they'll beat A&M. They'll beat Tennessee. Then they'll start getting ready for some deeper deeper ball games. But uh, the reality of this one is I just don't think this – I think this game is over with in the third quarter. I think Alabama will come out in that second half and pick A&M apart. I just don't think Kellen Mond is ready for anything that Alabama's going to throw at him. I think he's a one-read quarterback. And he is one of those guys, too, that if you let him, he will give you the football game. Not that Alabama's going to need any help, but I just don't think Kellen Mond's going to help A&M stay competitive in this game. UNLV is at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt will win this ball game. And if you watch Vanderbilt and Ole Miss play, and I watched a little bit of that ball game last week until Ole Miss started kind of getting away with them. Uh, Vanderbilt should win this ball game, despite what all we saw last weekend. UNLV is awful. UNLV has really, really struggled to score points this year. Uh, Vanderbilt has struggled to stop people, so it may prove to be an entertaining game. But I like Vanderbilt to win the ball game. Uh, and, and it's interesting, too, with Vanderbilt. Their calling card under Derek Mason has been defense, but they were awful last weekend against Ole Miss. And listen, Rich Rodriguez is one of those guys, too. He will find a way to kind of put that two- and three-man game together in the running game and really make you pay when you bring safeties up. But that's kind of what happened. I think Missouri was daring Ole Miss to pass – Pardon me, Vanderbilt was daring Ole Miss to pass, and uh, they didn't have to. They're able to kind of scheme against them and get guys in space. So great job coaching by Rich Rodriguez. Uh, could be your next Ole Miss head football coach. You never know. But uh, but Vanderbilt will find a way to do this with being at home against a bad UNLV team. And I still don't understand how UNLV is, is bad so consistently. 
Uh, Ole Miss at Missouri. I don't. I don't think this is the game that some people are expecting it to be. I, I think it'll be a, an entertaining game for a while. Barry Odom is a great defensive coach that has found some offense in the last couple of years. And Drew Locke's no longer there, but you get Kelly Bryant kind of as a stopgap guy before you while you get your young guys ready. They have seen a couple of games of John Rice Plumley. I, I expect them to have a scheme in place to kind of slow that running game down and force Ole Miss to pass the football. I think it'll be an entertaining game for a while with Missouri pulling away. I know there were some Ole Miss fans that were a little bit gleeful and hopeful that Kelly Bryant would be uh, less than 100%, but all indications are he is good to go. Kind of an ugly shot last year on Troy from last week with Troy. Looked to be a real cheap shot on Kelly Bryant in the game that had already been decided. Uh, I'd like to see the NCAA be a little more heavy-handed with some of those punishments when it comes to that. When there is clearly an attempt to injure, the, the NCAA – uh, rules committee should step in. If the league doesn't do it, the NCAA should step in. So you know what? We're not going to allow this. Simple as that. I got this one like a 42-24 ball game. Again, I, I just don't think Ole Miss is going to be able to stop them. Oh, and that's one thing. People say, well, the Ole Miss defense is, is really improved. They had not played anybody. That, that's They haven't played good defense against anybody that can really score. Uh, Arkansas is at Kentucky. You know, Arkansas has run the football a little bit better. I just think Kentucky on the road is a difficult ball game. Going to Lexington, and we know that from experience. You know, we've lost our last two trips to Lexington back in 16 and 18. Uh, so they're, they're, And not to mention, Stoops run so many of those odd man fronts. They just do a lot of things that are a little bit different up there. And it's difficult to kind of get your alignment down in a week. I just don't think Arkansas has got any defense whatsoever. Kentucky has some skill. That's the thing. When you look at that receiving core, and you and Sawyer Smith, I know is a little bit banged up, but they have some skill, and they can run the football. They've got some pieces that make them a little interesting. And I think they'll figure it out. I think Kentucky wins this ball game. I don't think it's a, blob, a runaway game by any stretch, but I think Kentucky wins the ball game without a lot of fanfare. The game of the week, and it's interesting with that. You know, Dan Mullins always said, you know, hey, your reward for – Winning a big game last week is another big game this week, and it's because you made it a big game. Well, this one's always a big game. Florida, now, if you wanted a better, you know, divisional rivals in the conference, uh, LSU-Florida, there have been some memorable games. I remember in the Spurrier years that, you know, Florida used to absolutely own this, this series. It's been so much better in recent years, and it's been very competitive every single ball game. There has been a lot of discussion, you know, about hurricanes and that kind of stuff, and all that stuff is very petty and, and should be beneath what everybody talks about. It's All of it is so unbelievably sad that people would stoop to that level. But this year, hopefully we can just talk about football. Uh, Florida at LSU. Florida, a big win last week over Auburn. And, that, and again, Todd Grantham was kind of the key to that whole thing because Florida didn't, didn't, didn't take care of the football. Auburn made some mistakes too. But I felt like Todd Grantham really kind of reestablishing the line of scrimmage and getting his guys into the backfield and forcing Bo Nix to get rid of the ball before he was ready forced him into some turnovers. I just don't think Florida is going to be able to score with LSU. I think Todd Grantham will find some ways to slow down LSU just a little bit, but I, I think LSU wins the game and covers. And I think, you know, and again, we, we know Dan Mullen really well. These are the games that Dan usually has, you know, the, the Mullen malaise that he kind of freezes up a little bit. I expect that to happen. And uh, I think Kyle Trask is, uh, is more than serviceable as a quarterback. I think that he is a very good quarterback. I'm not sure that he's 100%. I don't know that this LSU defense is what they've had historically, but this offense is also not what they've had historically. LSU's always kind of gotten bound playing great defense and being a great running team. Uh, they are one of the better passing teams in the country right now. So they're kind of feeling their oats. Florida has some DBs in the secondary. I think they can kind of match up with those young LSU receivers. And to me, that's kind of the game within the game. Most of us will be on our way back, you know, from uh, from Knoxville. So we'll, uh, we'll need to DVR that game. But I'll be listening to that thing the whole way back. I, I cannot wait for that ball game. If you're a fan of college football, these are the games that you're looking forward to. This is a weekend where you see a lot of uh, even matchups, especially once you get into the afternoon and in the evening games. Uh, I really like this Florida-LSU game, but I like LSU to win the ball game and cover. So your winners again, Georgia, Mississippi State, Alabama, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Kentucky, LSU. Those are your winners in my mind. I, I think, you know, 
I, I don't see these games as toss-ups like some other folks do. I just I don't I don't think it's that, that way at all. I think there are some decided favorites, and I think the, the betting lines kind of demonstrate that. I just don't think South Carolina can score with Georgia. I don't think Tennessee can score with Mississippi State. I don't think A&M can score with Alabama. I don't think UNLV can score with Vandy. I don't think Ole Miss can score with Missouri. I don't think Arkansas can score with Kentucky. And I certainly don't think Florida can score with LSU. This LSU team is scary. A lot better than I think most of us expected. I'll admit it. I, I never thought this LSU offense would explode the way that it has. It's made that LSU-Alabama game seem so much more intriguing. So much more intriguing. Really, really excited uh, to see what happens there. I want to thank our friends at Campus Bookmark. Longtime friends of the show, man. Been great sponsors. They do a lot to help us bring you the latest, greatest, and coolest information about the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Stan Ramos, Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there at Campus Bookmark will treat you like family because you are family. There are a lot of Bulldog listeners that told me that uh, they had never been to Campus Bookmark until they started hearing about them on the show. They've been very happy with their experiences. I encourage you to go by there when you're in town to go see for yourself their great selection. And if you can't make it to town, or perhaps game day is not a good shopping day for you, Visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50, any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. So the big discussion right now is, well, Steve, who's going to start at quarterback on Saturday? If I had to call it today, I would say it's Tommy Stevens because from what I gather, Tommy Stevens is as healthy as he has been since the Southern Miss game. Tommy Stevens won this game, won this job during fall camp. And I think ideally what we wanted to do was get Garrett Schrader in you know, three or four ball games and then uh, preserve his red shirt. Well, I think that's out the window now. And then there are many people out there that feel like, well, Steve, you know, now that uh, Garrett's not going to red shirt, we just need to go ahead and have a change to you know, the guard. I think Garrett Schrader is good enough to go win you three former ball games. I think the same for Tommy Stevens. And I also think, too, that if, uh, if you are Jim Moorhead and you begin to look at this, I think Tommy Stevens is one of those guys that makes the offense a little more multiple. What worries me about that is he has been so prone to injury. I think that makes your play calling a little bit more conservative. I think maybe you're not quite as willing to, to call the quarterback run. But to be fair – when you look at a Jim Moorhead offense and what they did at Penn State, they really only ran the quarterback just enough to keep people honest. But I think that hurt us earlier in the year when he was banged up and everybody knew it, especially against Kansas State. They elected to uh, to just you know force the quarterback to keep the football because they all ran the Colin Hill to, to, to deny him the football, and Tommy wasn't able to move the chains and ultimately, uh, I think, kind of re-aggravated re that sprain in his throwing shoulder. And it's one of those things, too, it's almost like it's so Mississippi State that it hurts. You know, we get a guy that is so different than the quarterbacks we've had in our history. We get a guy that is a true polished pocket type passer, a guy that has been a bit injury prone during his career at Penn State. But it's been really been some bad luck. It hadn't been the same recurring injury. It's just been one of those things with him. And you finally get him here. He's a perfect fit for our offense. He's a perfect fit for our campus, perfect fit for our team. He comes in, he wins the captainship, and uh, wins the job, and everybody's excited and ready to go. And he doesn't get hurt against Alabama. He doesn't get hurt in the Egg Bowl. He doesn't get hurt against LSU diving for the pylon to win a football game. He gets hurt against Southern Miss in a ball game that we were already winning handily. It's just one of those things you look at and you just begin to think, okay, is this kid snake bit? And, um, you know, when healthy, I think he makes us a much more explosive offense. We have not been able to hit those down-the-field shots with Garrett Schrader. We, we haven't. Now, now, a couple of those aren't Garrett's fault. You remember Osiris Mitchell dropped a, a touchdown pass. He lost it in the sun. He's worn his eye black ever since then, and that's not to be critical of Osiris. He's our leading receiver. But the reality is, is we are a much more prolific passing offense when Tommy Stevens is in the ballgame. I think a team like Tennessee, I think because of the fact that they are a little bit more porous in run defense, you want to be able to attack them on the ground. So there's a part of me that thinks, you know what, maybe you go with Garrett Schrader here. I think Joe will ultimately go with both of them and then play with the hot hand. Uh, the field could be wet. 
and that might be a factor in the decision-making process as well. We're expecting 40% chance of rain in the morning hours, kind of leading up to the ball game. We expect that to be, for the most part, cleared out by the time kickoff gets here, but the playing surface itself will likely be wet. Told they've got really good drainage there, so it shouldn't be something that's long-lasting, but early in that ball game, that could be a real factor. And as we've discussed on the show today and back on Wednesday, Tennessee really struggles in the second half. And so Mississippi State's got to be able to strike early. And so the wet field sometimes favors the rushing team. That's who Mississippi State could be. And so Joe Moorhead's got some difficult decisions ahead of him, but it appears that both quarterbacks are available to Joe. It does not appear that there's one guy that is substantially behind the other from a health standpoint. And I also, again, I've said this several times, I think Joe Moorhead enjoys being a little coy with the media when it comes to who's available and who's not, especially with his quarterback situation. I don't think that was an intended matter, but I think it's just something that's kind of you know sprung up with the injury situation being what it is. Got a lot of confidence in both of these guys. And also that there's, a, there's an excitement element with Garrett Schrader that uh, people get excited about. And, and uh, it reminds me in many respects of Dak Prescott because not that they're a different skill set in many respects, but you always felt like Dak would find a way. And you kind of have some of that with Garrett Schrader. Uh, I read uh, earlier this week uh, in Tyler Horker's column about Don Smith mentioning about Garrett Schrader's uh, leap. So, you know, what fired him up. You know, this is a guy that's willing to go make a play for his team. Other players rally behind people like that. They rally behind people that put the needs of the team above their own. And so I think the team really plays hard for him. And it may be because of the fact, too, that he is a freshman. Maybe, maybe they feel like, you know what, we've got to step it up even more because he is a freshman. I do think that the best thing that's happened to Kylan Hill is a guy like Garrett Schrader because of the fact that he will he is a plus runner. You can't just sag on the quarterback and say, you know what, we'll, it'll all be okay because Garrett Schrader will take it to the house. Garrett Schrader is also one of those guys that does not accept the natural order of things. He doesn't just say, well, you know, Mississippi State's always kind of been middle of the pack team in the SEC. It's okay if we don't win a ball game. I get the sense he wants to win every game. And you know what? I feel the same way. I don't expect to win in a game, every game, but I certainly hope to. And that's one thing for this group. I, I think this young group of players, there is a nucleus of them that is very exciting. You know, when you begin to think about Lee Witherspoon, be a healthy Lee Witherspoon, and Jerry and Jones and Martin Emerson and some of those guys, and there's some of these other young guys that haven't seen the field yet that we're hearing big things about in practice. And I continue to hear that Quentin Torber is a guy that, uh, you know, while he's not quite ready now, he's a guy that uh, will be exciting. And listen, there are some guys that were recruited to play a different scheme. And there are some of those guys, too, that will graduate out of the program and they'll be replaced by other players that are a little more tailor-made for, for this offensive system. That's not to be critical of them. That's not to say anything really bad or indifferent. That's just the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that Joe's got to get his guys. And I think we're beginning to see the kind of guys that he wants. Uh, Martin Emerson's the guy that really fires me up. You look at him and how long and athletic he is. And listen, he, he got some, he, he took some knots against Auburn, but he'll be better for the experience. Jerry and Jones, he's made some mistakes, but he'll be better for the experience. One of the best things that I've learned about sports is when you, it's, it's great when you can learn the lesson without losing the ball game. It's not always the case. The only thing that I ever learned from losing is I don't want to do it again. But if you can learn the lesson and still win the ball game, and I think we did some of that against Kentucky. Been nice to be able to do it against Kansas State. I think we've learned some lessons in every ball game. We've lost one game we shouldn't have, and we lost another game by a much wider margin than we should have. How this team kind of handles the emotions of Newen Stadium, I think, are important. I share with you before, I think an early start kind of helps Mississippi State. If it was a 6 p.m. or 7 o'clock start, uh, I think people are a lot more likely to come out and turn out. And listen, it's not going to be an empty stadium by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think it'll be near capacity either, but it will be uh, you know, a very partisan crowd. That's why I think it's important for State to get off to the big start. If you go out there and you put a touchdown on the board early, get some separation, begin to kind of 
assume control, the momentum, kind of keep the crowd out of it. And I think once you get into the second half, if you begin to get some separation, I think the crowd will begin to kind of empty out. That's a very loyal fan base up there. But there are a lot of people, too, that are kind of sick of struggling. You know, so they're, they're not getting the return on their emotional investment. And when players see that, they feel the same way. You know, it's one of those things that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you've always lost, you'll always find a way to lose. That's why I think it was so difficult for Dan Mullen to change the culture here at Mississippi State. Because we've been beaten down for so long, we just thought, you know what, this is kind of who we are. We don't deserve to go to ball games regularly. Then changed our expectations. Jackie Sherrill changed our expectations. But the reality is, I think that Dan showed us that um, we could win and we didn't have to go uh, have to go on major probation and go down through the valley. It changed who we were. It changed what we thought about ourselves and about our program. And that's one of the reasons that Joe Moorhead is facing some of the criticism that he is right now. It's because the expectations have changed. We're not just happy going to the Liberty Bowl. We were ecstatic to go to the Liberty Bowl in 2007 because we hadn't been anywhere since 2000. We would have been happy to go anywhere. We'd have gone to Shreveport with bells on and been happy to go. But the reality of the situation, and again, I said it again, JCP, you may be giving me a, com- a complex about it now, is that Mississippi State is a team that expects to go bowling. You have a fan base now that makes holiday plans every year. They have to account for that. So you know what? Hey, we've got Christmas coming up, but you know what? Let's get the kids bowl tickets. Let's get everybody a bowl shirt. Let's take a bowl trip. Let's spend Christmas in, uh, in St. Petersburg or whatever. You know, we- we're excited to go somewhere now. We expect to go. And then all of a sudden, when we have a bad loss like we did to Kansas State, all of a sudden, the Bulldog psyche is somewhat damaged. Because when we think, okay, are we, are we going to a bowl game this year? Are, are we going in the wrong direction? Because there are some people that are already beginning to count games. So you know what, Steve, we went 8-4 and four last year. We go 7-5 or 6-6 six and six this year, we're going in the wrong direction. And all that's true. But it doesn't mean that we're going to bottom out again. It doesn't mean that we're going to start having losing seasons. You know, I think this is a transition year, and I think deep down we all knew that. I don't think anybody expected Mississippi State to be a 10-2 and two team. This year we did last year. We'll bring a new quarterback in. We knew that it was going to be a bumpy ride at times. We didn't know that Keaton Thompson wouldn't be a factor after five games in a season. We didn't know that. We didn't suspect that. I don't think anybody even would have guessed that. Most of us, after seeing Garrett Schrader in the spring, said, you know what, he needs a year to kind of refine his mechanics. And he still does. But he's been kind of pressed into action, and he's done a great job for Mississippi State. But that's kind of what Joe's up against. Joe is up against the the expectations of a fan base who has gotten used to going to bowl games. And I think you have to embrace those expectations. I don't think you can run from those. But when you have a quarterback, you bring in a quarterback that is perfect for your scheme, and then he has an injury, and you're forced to play a true freshman quarterback, there is going to be a learning curve. I think Garrett Schrader is well ahead of many of his freshman peers. He's not that refined as a passer, but he is a tremendous competitor. He will find a way to go win a ball game for you. That's why I say he's very reminiscent of Dak Prescott. I always felt like Dak would find a way. I think Garrett kind of has some of that same currency with him. I think Garrett's one of those guys, like we saw in the Kentucky game, and I remember tweeting that out. I said, you know what, somebody's got to go make a play to win the game. They're not going to give it to us. This is the Southeastern Conference. Nobody's ever going to lay down for you. you got to go make a play to win the game. And Kentucky had had the momentum for a while. And I, I, I kind of felt myself then, you know what, if, if we have to punt the ball back to them, I, you know, I'm, I'm expecting them to get a great return and then uh, find a way to tie the ball game, and we're going to be in trouble. But that's not what happened. Garrett Schrader made the play to put the game away. The long run gets the big first down, and we weren't just content then to run the clock out. What do we do? We go put it away. Colin Hill scores his third touchdown of the game for the first time in his, high, his college career. And the rest of the game is essentially academic. And that's the thing when I think about the wins for this team. You know, we, we, we put the game away against ULL. That was a lot closer than it should have been. But when the, when the game was on the line, we made a drive necessary to put the game away. 
played Southern Miss. It was time to finish them off. We finished them off. We had a chance to finish off Kansas State. We didn't do it. Because we got a freshman quarterback in there that was still figuring some things out. And I remember a ball game against Auburn on the road when Dak Prescott was making his first start when all he has to do is fall forward and we beat Auburn on the road. We weren't able to do it. The moment was a little bit too big for him. Then we have an opportunity, you know, against Kentucky when we do it. We put the game away. There is some killer instinct with this group. It's just a matter of kind of finding some continuity. It's not going to be a great season. It can still be a very good one, a very memorable season. It kind of sets the building block for the future. I think we're all really excited about Garrett Schrader. I'm really excited about these young running backs we've got committed for the 2020 signing class. I think we have some offensive skill that's coming along, and I don't think we're going to take a big step backwards to the offensive line next year. I think we've got some guys. We've got some pieces, some guys that are coming on. Again, it'll be a bit of a transition year with that personnel group. But a lot of those guys are beginning to get some playing time now. And so when I begin to think about next year, you know, we're going to have to find some young pass catchers to make some plays for us. You know, Cyrus Mitchell will likely be back. You know, Dedrick Thomas and some others will move on. Stephen Guidry goes Isaiah Zuber. But I think their contributions can be replaced. But I'm excited about the offense moving forward. You know, Tommy Stevens was always in, intended to be the stopgap guy, to come in here to kind of be a caretaker of this offense while Garrett Schrader learned and developed in anticipation of being the future starter. Well, things kind of change a little bit. So we're adjusting on the fly. But the reality is next year should be a pretty good year for us. I don't know that it's a 10-win year. I don't know that. The schedule kind of flips back in our favor a little bit. But we've got some offensive skill. We'll have to make some changes in, on the defense, but that's the reality of life and times in the SEC. It's very rare to get everything trending in your direction. It's very difficult, especially when, in the neighborhood that we live in. But I'm excited about what is to come. And I think the next step in this process happens this Saturday when Mississippi State goes to Knoxville and beats Tennessee. And then we won't have to hear any more talking points about how it's Mississippi State hadn't won in Knoxville since 1986. Glad to put that behind us. And I expect that to happen. I just don't see a way that Tennessee wins the ball game without Mississippi State's help. And that's not to say we're not capable of helping them. Auburn was probably going to beat us anyway, but we certainly helped them along the way. Got to avoid that. Can't go out there and get a delay of the game penalty. We need to go out there and get a big gainer that first play. Go out and punch them in the mouth right out of the gate. If you hadn't done so, let me encourage you to go to Stark Villains the book and pre-order your copies. You can get your signed and customized personalized copies from Stark Villains the book. We'll be out here in about uh, a little a week. It's almost time, about 10 days or so. Looking forward to that. You can find your T-shirts and hoodies at StarkVillains.com. Great quality work there. Great people. Very happy to partner with the folks at Deep South Pout. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. I'll be back on Monday. We'll be ready to uh, to recap the weekend that was and hopefully a Mississippi State victory. Wherever you are this weekend, I hope that you have a great time with your friends, your family. You get a chance to watch the Bulldogs play and win a ball game. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. <laughs>